If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today, officially home from law school for the semester, is my co-host, Kurt. Curtis, it's been 11 days, I think, now since the world just basically got canceled last Thursday, or I guess last Wednesday night when we saw the NBA was suspending operations, and that was the, the beginning of the end there. But uh, have you lost your mind yet, or are you finding a way to stay sane? It's on, the, it's on borderline right now. Yeah, that's kind of hard. I'm like, I thought it was okay for a couple of days, um, about a week or so, but now it's kind of like, eh. And I can take it day by day. That really hasn't been all that bad to me. I'm trying to stick in a routine as much as I possibly can. Uh, I'm a very routine-oriented guy at all times, so that's key for me. The, the hardest part for me, and I know this sounds ridiculous when you consider all the suffering that so many people are going through, um, not have, not being able to go to work, not being able to make money, not knowing if they're going to be able to pay their rent, uh, having to take care of their kids, all that kind of thing. I, mean, I, I just I don't have kids. So I don't worry about that kind of thing. So uh, I know this sounds ridiculous for most people, but the hardest part of this whole thing for me has been not being able to go to the gym. That really sucks. Uh, that's a big part of my routine every single day. So I've had to get very creative in my at-home workouts. Uh, I've got this kind of luggage workout thing going on where I'm just literally packing book bags and gym bags full of, of stuff. I mean, I have like some 10-pound, 5-pound dumbbells that are, doesn't really do all that much for me unless I kind of put them together. Uh, so I'm taking book bags, gym bags, and just stacking them full of stuff and all sorts of fun stuff with that. Uh, so yeah, that's, I know, really weird. But uh, what does get to me, though, is it's just kind of the, the indefinite nature of this whole deal, just not knowing when life will ever get back to some semblance of normality. You know, not knowing when I'm going to be able to, like, even just like something as simple as have a, have a date night with my wife in downtown Athens again, like we normally do every Friday. And that's a, that's a key part of every week. That's the best part of every week for me. Uh, not being able to do that sucks. Not knowing if we're going to actually have a college football season. Things like that. That's what gets me. Uh, but I'm just trying to not let my mind go there and focus on things day by day with neutral thinking. But yeah, obviously these are crazy, scary unprecedented and just frankly maddening times but as I told you guys last week we on the glory UGA podcast are going to do our very small part to help everyone maintain at least some small semblance of their sanity by doing our very best to fill that continent-sized UGA sports hole in your hearts and we're going to be with you guys throughout this entire ordeal however long it may last doing whatever we can to help you escape from just the sheer insanity 
swirling around us right now. Uh, to do that, though, since there is no spring practice or baseball season or NCAA tournament to talk about, we're going to have to get a little bit creative here, so bear with us. And one of the ideas that we came up with, kind of in keeping with the March Madness theme, which I don't know about you guys, but to me, outside of the college football season, it's my favorite time of the year. Uh, we're going to create a series of UGA sports-related brackets and pick the matchups until we declare a winner. Uh, and for better or for worse, I don't know how I feel about this, but we're calling this UGA Madness. Again, kind of in keeping with the March Madness theme. We teased this in our last episode, but our first UGA Madness bracket is going to be the greatest UGA football players of the past 25 years. And I know some of you are probably sitting there wondering, like, why didn't you just go all the way and call this the greatest Georgia football players of all time? And that's a very fair question. Very fair. Uh, So let me try to explain why we kind of limited it to the past 25 years. Uh, First, we all know that if we expanded this bracket out to all of Georgia history, like, look, we all know Herschel Walker is going to win. Like, he would win that hands down. Like, why are we even doing it? We knew who, we would know he was going to win from the very get-go. It's no contest. I mean, heck, the guy was just named the second greatest college football player of all time by ESPN and, uh, and the college football playoff at halftime of the national championship game behind Jim Brown, which I know Jim Brown was, in a, was an all-timer in the NFL, but I'm not sure Jim Brown was as good as Herschel in college football, but whatever. Herschel, one or two in, in college football history, according to ESPN and the college football playoff. So we felt that expanding it to like all of George's history would kind of just be really anticlimactic. So uh, that was one reason. Another reason why we chose to cut this bracket off at the 25-year mark is because a lot of our listeners, like Curtis, just don't go back much further than that. We we love all of our listeners. We love all of you guys out there. We know that you guys come in all shapes and sizes and all ages. Um, and we absolutely have some very distinguished gentlemen who do go back to the 60s and 70s that listen to this show. And we love and respect all of you guys. But we also have a lot of younger listeners, again, like Curtis. And I guess, I, well, I'm not young, but I'm younger than going back to the 60s or 70s. And uh, so we don't go that much further back than like the mid-90s, if that. And, and so we're giving you guys, our listeners, a vote in this. And something just rubbed me the wrong way about like 25 to 30-year-old guys and gals voting on guys like Jake Scott and Charlie Trippy and Terry Hogue and Ben Zambiasi, uh, guys like that. Because guys that are 25 and 30 years old, they haven't seen those guys play at all. Like, uh, they may know their names. What that means is they would just be voting based on reputation or, or or maybe not voting for those guys at all because they just don't know much about them. So in an effort to include as many fans as we could, we decided to cut this off at the 25-year mark. We figured that that way, like, you know, the vast majority of our listeners, they go back at least that far. And so uh, we would be able to include more people in this process. So that was kind of the rationale behind the 25-year thing. Um, but all right, now as far as how this UGA Madness bracket is going to work, what we did is uh, we put together a list of 64 players from the past 25 years, which took a long time to kind of go back and think about, okay, who do we want on this list? And there were some questionable names that, that uh, or there were some guys that are kind of borderline. Should we include them? Should we not? We had to make some decisions there. But it's 64 guys over the last 25 years that we felt deserved a spot in this tournament. Kind of like the NCAA tournament, uh, some of these selections and also some of the omissions from the guys we left off are going to be controversial. That's almost inevitable. We get that. It's cool. It's just part of the deal. Uh, we then, uh, once we have those 64 names, though, we then put those names in a bracket generator, an online bracket generator that I found that created a randomly generated matchups for us. I basically just put all the names in the in the uh, bracket generator and then it spit them all out randomly and gave us the matchups. Uh, we thought about seeding them ourselves, but we kind of decided against that because seeding them 
on our own and then voting on them would kind of be redundant. So it's totally random. And some of the matchups are really great. Some of them are uh, are no contest. And some guys I think should be in the second round or third round. They just got a really bad draw in the first round. You'll see that as we go th- through some of these picks. But I fear that was the best way to do this. Uh, and there are three votes for each matchup. Curtis has a vote, I have a vote, and you, loyal listeners, also have a vote. So for each matchup, it's pretty simple. Whichever player gets at least two votes moves on to the next round. Pretty simple. Uh, now, since this is a 64-player bracket, a la the Insulate Tournament, which I guess that's 68 teams now with the first four, but whatever, 64 teams, uh, we're not going to be able to get through the entire bracket today, obviously. In fact, we're not even going to be able to get through the entire first round today. Uh, to do this whole exercise justice by discussing each matchup, that would take us about four to five hours to do, probably at least. So we're going to break this into a series. I think it's going to end up being like five episodes to allow us to have sufficient time to discuss and break down each and every matchup and do and just do them justice. So there are 32 different matchups to discuss in the first round. That's a lot. So we're going to split that round up into two separate episodes so we can actually, again, discuss each pick and not to kind of just rush through all of them. Uh, today, we're picking the first half of the first round, and then later in the week, we will be back and we will reveal the winners of the second half of the first round. We will then take those winners from the first round, put them out to you guys uh, on Twitter so you guys can vote. So you'll be able to vote on every matchup in the second round. And if you aren't following us on Twitter, you can find us at glory underscore UGA. Uh, We'll have those up later on this week. So we'll be looking for that probably closer to the weekend. And then I want you guys to vote. And Curtis and I uh, have our votes in the second round. We will pick and discuss uh, the second round, and then the Sweet 16, before finally picking the Elite Eight, Final Four, and ultimately naming the greatest Georgia football player of the past 25 years. Uh, and of course, I have to say this before we get started, like when we talk about greatest, that term, the greatest player of the past 25 years, that's very subjective. There are a, a number of different factors to consider. you got on-field production while at Georgia versus the pro career, uh, championships, uh, clutch or big time memorable moments. That's got to be a factor as well. Uh, just kind of a, a, the personal stories of some of the guys overcoming adversity, their personality. All of those things factor into how great a player is. And so different people will inevitably weigh each of those factors differently. So I guess what I'm saying is there's just no set way to look at this. And, and, and there's bound to be some disagreement, which is cool. And it's kind of what I think will make this a really fun and interesting exercise. But uh, all right, I think... That's everything to lay out from the beginning here. Trust me, the rest of the episodes, I won't have this long intro. I want to lay everything out for you guys at the beginning of the series. And then uh, for each of the other installments, we'll just kind of get right into it. But I think that's everything for now. Let's get to it. Again, sticking with the theme of the NCAA tournament, we have four regions. But instead of South, East, Midwest, and West, we have the Red, Black, White, and Silver regions. Today, we are picking the Red and Black regions. And then later in the week, we will do the white and silver regions and get the entire first round knocked out. But let's kick things off with the first round of the red region. The very first matchup, we've got Alec Ogletree versus J.R. Reed. Now, Curtis, our listeners, when they voted on, on this matchup, they went with Alec Ogletree. 77% of our listeners went with Ogletree. Who did you go with? Um. Yeah, I would. I would also go with Alec Ogletree. I mean, J.R. Reed was a big cog of our defense. 
Um, you know, especially this, the last two years being a, a leader on the defense. But in my opinion, he never was like a true difference maker, which is what you had in Alec Ogletree. Okay, so Alec Ogletree is the answer here. Two out of three, you and the listeners went with Ogletree. I also went with Ogletree as well. Uh, but let me ask you this, Kurt. Uh, so 77% of our listeners chose Ogletree. And you and I both agree there, obviously. But was it, was it really that obvious where like 77% of our listeners like, yeah, Alec Ogletree, obviously. It was, it, was the gap that big between Ogle and JR? Um, to me, it was a little bit, yeah. I don't know if it was that as big for me. Uh, I could see the argument for that, but and maybe this is some recency bias. And I, and I think we'll see that along the way here with a, a number of these different matchups. There might be a little bit of recency bias on the players that have been around a little bit more recently. But like, if you look at what JR was able to do here as a three-year starter, I mean, he was first-team All-SEC, first-team All-American this year, uh, second-team All-SEC 2017. And Alec Ogletree actually never made a first-team All-SEC team or, or obviously All-American team his entire time in Athens. But I think people still remember him as a better player than JR, maybe because it's just like the, the pure – like the athleticism. Is, is that fair? Like, it, like the, the size-speed combination. Remember, he comes in as a safety, moves down to linebacker, and just some of the things that he was able to do. I mean, I forget exactly who we were playing, but there's – you still – you can find this uh, this clip, and you see it from time to time. Uh, where he's kind of he like suplexes an opposing player. I forget exactly who we were playing. I actually want to say it was Georgia Tech, but don't quote me on that. It's things like that. The JR just never exactly did. Like JR wasn't flashy or anything like that. Where I think it's maybe Ogletree was a little bit flashier than JR Reed was. But uh, I mean, JR was as steady as they come. And I mean, he was first team All American this year at the safety position. So I think you can leave, like an argument could be made for JR. But I'm with you, especially if you factor in Ogletree's uh, NFL career. We'll see what happens with JR in the NFL. We don't know at this point. Hopefully he has a great career. We'll find out. But um, I, I side with Ogletree. I'm with you guys there. I just don't know if I see it as like a, a landslide victory like uh, our listeners went with there. But um, All right, so Alec Ogletree in the first matchup defeats JR Reed. He moves on to the second round where he will face the winner of our next matchup, which is uh, cornerback Brandon Boykin versus safety Sean Jones. Curtis, I'm gonna let you go first here. Who did you pick in this matchup? Um, I believe I went with um Brandon Boykin. Yeah, you did. Why Boykin over Jones? I know Sean Jones. I mean, you're a little bit younger than me, so I think Sean Jones was Mike a little bit slightly before your time. Maybe is that like do you do you have much recollection of watching him play? A little bit, not as much, and I think that's one of the reasons I kind of went with Boykin over him. And I also at the same time, Boykin was just he was, you know, he did it all for us at a time when our offense was really struggling as we we're trying to, you know, break in Aaron Murray and people like that. Our offense was not clicking to, and we needed everything he brought to the table. Yeah, that's one thing you have to factor when we talk about Brandon Boykin. It's not just what he was able to do as a defensive back, but also his ability as a return man. I mean, he's still today tied for the SEC lead in, in career kickoff returns uh, for a touchdown with four. Uh, so he was he was a versatile player, played in the secondary, obviously was a very good cornerback, was a nickelback for a couple of years with, with the Eagles and the NFL uh, before kind of washing out. Uh, was never really a star in the NFL, but uh, he, he stuck around for a couple of years and made some money. Uh, but he was a really good player for us. There's no doubt about it. Did get some touches on offense uh, from time to time, occasionally here and there. Uh, nothing crazy, but, but was was a factor in, in different ways for us throughout his career in Athens. But for me, I actually went with Sean Jones. And you make a really good argument with Boykin, and I don't really – I mean, I can't really argue too much if, if someone was going to pick Brandon Boykin, but I am a little bit older than you, so I got to watch Sean Jones 
uh, in the early part of the Mark Rick era. And um, the dude was a flat-out stud. I mean, he was a baller at safety. He was first-team All-SEC, first-team All-American in 2003. And I wasn't AP All-American. It was the AFCA. But still, he was on an All-American team, which means, you know, you're doing something right. Uh, he also he actually had a little bit longer of a career in the NFL than Boykin did. Again, not, not necessarily a star in the NFL, certainly not really a star at all, but a good, solid NFL player in a six-year career in the NFL. Uh, and again, to me, like the fact that he was first-team All-American, helped us win an SEC title in 2002, those things kind of pushed him over the edge for me, over Boykin. Um, but, uh, Kurt, actually, our listeners went with you. 64% of our listeners picked Brandon Boykin in this matchup. So it's Brandon Boykin. No matter what I say, uh, it, it, who is going to be advancing to the second round to face Alec Ogletree. And we will break down that matchup in our next episode. And we'll also, of course, allow you guys to have your say. We'll put those uh, those votes or those matchups out there for you guys to vote on over the next couple of days. All right, so moving on, our next matchup, we've got Hot Rod himself, Rodrigo Blankenship versus Bakari Rambo. Uh, now, Rod, this one, this one actually ended up being a little bit closer than I thought in terms of the listener vote. I thought Rodrigo, especially, you know, talking about recency bias and him being such a fan favorite, I thought he'd be like a runaway winner here. Um, although Bakara Rambo was very, very good in his own right, I just figured Rod would kind of run away with this. Um, but our listeners, they did pick Rod, but only by a, 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 I guess, a difference of 58 to 42%. So not an overwhelming victory for Rodrigo, Kurt. Who did you end up going with? Did you go with Rod or did you go with Rambo? Um, I went with Rodrigo just because, I mean, even think of his value this year. I mean, our offense was not what it should have been. Um, and so a lot of our scoring came from him. You got to think of how we changed the momentum a couple years ago in the Rose Bowl, making that big kick. I mean, he just did a lot of things, made a lot of big kicks. So I think that um, I, that's why I went with him. Were you surprised that Rod wasn't more of a runaway winner? I was surprised. Were you? I was, now that you mention it, because I thought there was no way he wouldn't be. I thought that was a no-brainer, in my opinion. And I'm not saying anything against the other people that chose Rambo, because Rambo was a big part of our defense for a lot of years, especially all those interceptions. I mean, he always can't, He always found a way to come up with a huge interception. So I can't yeah. fault you for wanting to go with him. Yeah, I mean, he was a big part of that 2012 defense, that really good, and I wouldn't necessarily say elite or great 2012 defense, but really, really good 2012 defense that had us on just the, the doorstep of a national title. Um, and he was also was. And actually, in 2011, he had a better overall year. He was first team All-SEC and All-American in 2011. So Rambo was a really good player in his own right. I guess I just underestimated how fondly some people re- would remember Bakari Rambo. He had a solid NFL career. Again, kind of like Sean Jones, not really a star, but a good solid career in the NFL for a couple of years. But for me, I also went with Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, and this one was kind of like – Rambo was so good. And I know I was talking to some people on, on social media about this on Twitter when they were voting. And uh, some people were talking about this was a really tough one for them. For me, it wasn't as tough. Um, and I'm not criticizing anyone who had, had to think long and hard about this. But for me, it, I, it was pretty obvious, Rodrigo. And I guess you could say, like, when you look at kickers, like, kickers are only on the field for just a handful of snaps and plays each game. So maybe their overall impact isn't as great as a guy who starts every single snap on defense. And I get that argument. But Rodrigo, you laid it out there, Kurt. I mean, he was uh, just such a key piece to a a run to the national title game. I mean, that Rose Bowl kick alone, that kick alone right before halftime, to me, that that almost puts him, at least in the second round, just on the basis of that one kick. And that was massive. Kurt, do we win that Rose Bowl game and get to the national title game without Rod making that kick? I don't think we do. Like I mentioned, he changed the momentum going into halftime. Yeah, I mean, obviously the game went overtime, so we had to have those three points. And without – 
Like without those three points before halftime, I'm not sure that we would have come out in the second half with that same resolve, with that same energy. Remember our defense, like they were basically moving the ball at will on us for most of the first half. We come in the second half, we get some stops. And uh, I think a lot of that had to do with – and it was obviously Rodrigo making the kick, but also Tate Crowder uh, taking uh, grabbing that little inexplicable decision to squib kick, but grabbing the squib kick right there, putting us in position to kick that field goal. But that alone, I mean, what a career-defining moment for Rodrigo. And oh, by the way, he did also win the Lou Groza Award for the nation's best kicker this past year. It was All-SEC first team. It was one of those weird scenarios where he won the award for the best kicker in the country – but wasn't named first team All American, which is just kind of one of those weird quirks of college football. But he was a flat out superstar for us. There's no doubt about it. And in his story too, a guy that comes in as a walk on, earns his way onto the uh, on, onto the scholarship position. And you remember his the whole thing with his dad and that whole deal. But Rod never that effect. And he just kept doing his thing and kept playing. Just a really cool personality. The whole interview with the goggles and all that. The whole hot rod personality, all that. Um, that the total package. So to me. It was pretty clear Rodrigo Blankenship. So he is advancing to the second round where he will face the winner of our next matchup, which is Will Witherspoon versus tight end Ben Watson. Now, Kurt, both these guys are a little bit before your time. Uh, I think Watson you might be a little bit more familiar with because of his time in the NFL. I mean, he just retired. I guess he retired then came back, and now he's probably officially retired now that Tom Brady has gone to uh, to Tampa Bay. But – um. Our listeners went with Watson. I thought that that was what I predicted would happen here. They went with Watson. 83% of our listeners went with Ben Watson. Kurt, who did you go with? Um, I believe um, I went with Ben Watson. Yeah, you're going with Ben Watson here as well. Uh, I had, you know, at first I thought about this for a second because as good as Watson has been in the NFL, like he wasn't as productive at Georgia. Uh, he never had over 341 yards uh, receiving in a year. I mean, in his three years, remember he started at Duke, then he transfers into Georgia. In his three years here uh, at Georgia, he had 11 catches one year, then 31, then 23, and again, never more than 341 yards receiving. So he wasn't like a dominant player here in Athens. Uh, but he was the first-round pick and was a really good tight end in the NFL for a long, long time, a very long career. If you look at Will Weatherspoon, uh, and this is me, I'm, I'm a linebacker guy. You know that. So I kind of have a soft spot for guys that play that position. But, I mean, he started every game as a freshman. He played all three linebacker positions during his career in Athens. He had a 13-year NFL career. I'm not sure everyone is aware of that. Um, because it was never really – again, another one of those guys who wasn't necessarily a star in the NFL, but a really good NFL player for a long time. You know, 11 of those years he was a starter. So I think there's an argument to be made for Witherspoon. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to – Go. I'm going to side with with you and the listeners here, Chris. I'm going to go with Watson. I, here's another example of like I think Watson is the answer here. I was surprised maybe 83 percent of our listeners went with Watson. I think Witherspoon uh, is. I think he's deserving a little bit more respect than that, but I, I do think Watson's the answer. So he is advancing to the second round where he will face Rodrigo Blankenship in another very interesting matchup that we will talk about next week. And before we move on to our next matchup, I do want to remind you guys about our friends at Simply Safe. You know, every night local police departments across America, they receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. And the vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether that alarm is real or not. Like, is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is, "Hey guys, the motion sensor went off." 
But Simply Safe Home Security is different. If there's a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an actual eyewitness account of what's going on. Uh, that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire house. You get the outdoor cameras, doorbells that are going to alert you to anyone approaching your home. You got entry, motion, and glass break sensors that also guard the inside of your home. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's 24-7 monitoring by actually live security professionals. And you can totally set the system up yourself if, you, if you're that kind of guy, the DIY kind of guy. No tools needed or anything like that. Or if you are more like me, you can just have Simply Safe come do it for you. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. All you got to do is visit simplysafe.com slash overtime and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You truly have absolutely nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime. All right, moving along here, we have our next matchup is defensive tackle Jonathan Sullivan versus offensive tackle Max Gene Gillis, uh, or Gillis, uh, however you want to say that. I always had trouble saying that back in the day. Uh, so, Curtis, our listeners went with Max, 69% of them picked Max Gene. Who did you go with? I went with Max Gene. Um, I, you know, I just remember for a long time that he was, you know, a, a pretty big difference maker for quite a few years when we were not known for our offensive line. Yeah, how old were you when he – I mean, so he his best year was 2005. I think it was – that was the year he was first team All-SEC, consensus All-American. Well, you were about like 11 or 12. Yeah, like about, that. that's about right then. Yeah, so you were – like you were you were watching football, but you weren't like as maybe into it and as detailed into it as, as you are now. Uh, but, but even – that says something though. If, if you were 11, 12 years old and you still knew who this guy was as an offensive lineman, which is not really a name position – then that tells you this guy was doing something right. Uh, he did win two SEC titles during his time in Athens, obviously 2002 and 2005. Spent five years in the NFL. Was a, again was a first team All SEC player and consensus All American in 2005. If you look at Jonathan Sullivan, uh, this is a guy. Now you probably don't know much about him at all, Kurt. If if Max was barely in your time, um, Sullivan was he was All SEC first team in 2003. He was actually the number six overall pick in the NFL draft in 2004. But it just never—he never panned out in the NFL. I, I hate to use the word "bust" when it refers to any of our players, but I guess it might apply in that situation. He wasn't like—he played a couple years in the NFL, but was never like—he never lived up to the number six pick, I guess. Um, so I, I think kind of washing out in that regard kind of hurts his standing when you when you do a bracket like this. But he was a really good player for us in the early part of the Mark Rick tenure. Uh, but I, I'm with you as well. Uh, just by virtue of the fact that, that Max was a consensus All-American, it was, it was such a beast force there uh, on the, along the offensive line for, for a couple of years. So uh, I'm with you and the listeners. I'm going to go with Max as well. And uh, this one, this next one, I, I find very interesting. I was fascinated to see how this was going to play out. So Max is going to take on the winner of this next matchup, with, which is running back Terrell Davis versus quarterback Jake Fromm. Kurt, I'm gonna let you take this one first. Who did you pick in this matchup? Um, I went with Jake Fromm. And I, you know, you mentioned it earlier, especially someone like Ben Watson. I think um if you're gonna go off what they did in the NFL and things like that, then hundred percent you go off you go with Trell Davis. But um everything Jake Fromm did for this university and the way he won and represented us, I don't know how you don't go with him in that situation. Okay. All right. This is going to hurt me because 
you guys know, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, I am still very much the president of the Jay Fromm fan club. I don't care. College, NFL, Jay Fromm, I'm with him all the way. I love the guy. But looking at this matchup, and this is when I did go back and forth, and you made a really good point there, Curtis, about Jake just being a winner. And there's so many different ways. And how, how do you define, going back to the idea of how do you define great? Like, what is greatness? Is it is it winning? Is it how you represent your university? Is it stats? Is it production? Like, there's so much that goes into this. And you make a strong argument for Jake Fromm, and obviously I do not uh, begrudge anyone who would get with Jake Fromm, and I have a really hard time doing this myself, but I'm actually going to go with Trell Davis. Uh, I went back and forth on this one. Now here's the thing, and this was why it was so difficult for me. TD was an all-time great NFL running back, right? I mean, he's an NFL Hall of Famer. That's And that's what it came down to for me. Is like I love Jake Fromm. I thought he was a stud for us. I thought he represented our university in the right way, worked his tail off, was a great leader. Uh, and, and just an incredible guy to have to be part of your football program and be associated with your university. But we're talking about an NFL Hall of Famer here. Now, Terrell Davis did not have the college career that Jake Fromm did. He didn't win as much as Jake Fromm, wasn't as productive as Jake Fromm. He actually never had more than 824 yards rushing in a year at Georgia, which surprised me. Um, had under 2,000 yards total in his three years as a running back here at, at uh, UGA. 16 touchdowns total. I Actually, I'd say that in four seasons at Georgia. He had 1,900 yards uh, and 16 touchdowns in four years. It, it was not a star here. Uh, was a was a fringe player, more or less. The go to the NFL and uh, obviously fits in with an outskid zone blocking scheme with John Elway at Denver and uh, runs his way to the NFL Hall of Fame. So as much as I love Jake Fromm, like just the fact that Terrell Davis is an NFL Hall of Famer, I just can't overlook that. Um, again, I, th- there are many different ways to look at greatness. And if you want to argue Jay Fromm is what he did here in Athens at Georgia, taking us to a national title game, winning a Rose Bowl game as a true freshman, all those things, I can't fault you for it, man. I'm not even going to argue that. But um, when you're looking at, at, at greatest player, it's I mean, TD's in the Hall of Fame. So i got to go with Terrell Davis. Um, and so that means the deciding vote here is going to come from our fans. So you got Jake. I got TD. And our fans, Curtis, they are actually siding with you. The listeners have also chosen Jake Fromm with 61% of the vote. So, God, how ironic is that? The, the president of Jake Fromm fan club being the one guy on the show that didn't actually vote for him. So, uh, Jake Fromm will be heading on to the second round to take on Max Gene Gillis. Uh, so, that'll be another interesting matchup to see where it goes from there. All right, moving on here. In the red region, we've got a battle of the Joneses. We've got Jarvis Jones versus Rashad Jones. Uh, Jarvis was a – God, he was such a baller for us. And our fans uh, are heavily siding with Jarvis Jones. Listeners picked Jarvis by uh, – a, a, with 91% of the vote, actually. 91% of the vote go to Jarvis Jones. Curtis, who did you pick in this matchup? Uh, it wasn't even a question. Of course, Jarvis Jones. Yeah, honestly, I'm surprised that Jarvis didn't get 100% on this. There are a couple of matchups because, again, all these are randomly generated. And uh, when I looked at how they kind of got spit out by the the computer, I was like, okay, a couple of these are going to be 100% one way or the other. And I thought Jarvis was going to be one of those. But there were a couple out there that went with Rashad Jones, who had a nice NFL career. Actually, Rashad Jones did have a better NFL career than Jarvis, so I I guess you can argue that. But in terms of their – productivity in their careers here in Athens. It really wasn't even close. I agree with you there, Curtis. Um, Jarvis Jones has two of the top three sack seasons in Georgia history, including the number one spot with 14 and a half sacks. 
Uh, it was a first-round NFL draft pick, two-time All-SEC, first-team All-SEC, two-time consensus All-American, and the SEC Defensive Player of the Year in 2012. Rashad Jones had a good career in Athens, although I will say the one play, like, I mean, he, Rashad was a good player, and I, I hate this is the one play I remember. The, the play that always sticks out in my mind about Rashad Jones was not a great play. It was against Tech here at home in that infamous blown game against Tech. Uh, that was It was pouring rain that day. I remember that vividly. It was cold as all hell, pouring rain. My wife actually got so cold that she uh, she just left about halftime and, and went and watched the rest of the game at the bar. Uh, and I stuck it out, and uh, I wish I hadn't because that sucked. But I think we were up 28-12 at halftime, I want to say, in 2008. That was the year where we ranked preseason number one. And, of course, we let them come back. I think we, they scored 26 points maybe in uh, the third quarter to take the lead. And uh, on their go-ahead touchdown, I think it was in the fourth quarter, were like seven-ish minutes to go, something like that, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. It was Roddy Jones coming down the sideline. They ran a triple option play because, again, it's Georgia Tech. They ran the triple option. And uh, – Rashad comes from the backside and has a chance to make the play on the sideline. He was the last. He was he was the last defense there, and um, he kind of just completely whips. He kind of just instead of actually trying to tackle him out of bounds, he kind of slightly touches him and tries to guide him out of bounds. And of course, he did not go out of bounds, and he goes the rest of the way for like a fifty-plus yard touchdown. And that was all she wrote in that game. And that sucked. So that's what I remember more than anything about Rashad Jones, that one play. And that's unfortunate. He was a really good player overall. But did go on have a good career with the Dolphins in the NFL. But uh, to me, I'm with you, Curtis. This one's pretty obvious. It's got to be Jarvis Jones. He's heading on the second round to take on the winner of our next matchup, which is DJ Shockley versus Leonard Floyd. All right, Curtis. Our listeners went with Shockley uh, with 74% of the vote. Are you with him or are you going with Leonard Floyd? Um, I'm going with Shockley. You know, I thought Leonard Floyd's probably the more, more talented of the two, but I actually thought that Leonard kind of underperformed. Yeah, he underdelivered based on his potential. Yeah. He I never, never had more than six actually. and a half sacks at, at Georgia. Never had more than six and a half sacks. And I, I think that's one of the reasons him. I didn't pick him. Yeah, and a guy with that, I mean, he was a really good player for us. And I will say we used him in different ways. He has the versatility, kind of like a guy like Lorenzo Carter, who maybe could have had better sack numbers if we would have used him as a pure pass rusher the entire time. Um, but we, we 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 would kind of play around with Floyd out there, playing some on the slot t- at times, especially when we played Auburn. Uh, but the one thing that also stood out to me with Leonard Floyd, as good as he was, he was I – don't, I don't want to say he was below average, but he certainly was not great against the run. And that was something that hurt us time and time again during his career. He was a really good explosive pass rusher, but it was certainly not an elite pass rusher. Never, I think he had the, the tools to be an elite pass rusher, but I don't think he ever quite lived up to his potential, lived up to his ceiling. And that's crazy to say because he ends up being a first-round draft pick. But I think more of that was based on potential as well. And the Bears, are they've kind of found that out themselves. Like, yeah, he's got all the tools. He's got the, the athleticism, the explosiveness to be a really, really good pass rusher. But it just, he's just for whatever reason, has never quite put it all together where, to, to where he becomes maybe an elite pass rusher. He's been a good pass rusher everywhere he's been, just never necessarily elite. Um, so for that reason, I also went with DJ Shockley. I mean, it wasn't just that. I mean, Shockley, I only had one year as a starter. And, and part of that, you know, that was also a part of the reason why I went with Shockley here as well. It's like I remember DJ Shockley so fondly because this dude absolutely – was a team player. Waited he stuck it out while others now don't. 
Yeah, I mean, and let's just be real. Like, like I mean, I'm, I'll just throw him out. Justin Fields, right? I mean, Justin Fields went on to Ohio State gonna ha- and had a great year. He's going to have an, a great year again this year if, if we're able to play college football. And, look, he did what was best for him, so more power to you, whatever. But DJ Shockley didn't do that. He could have done that, right? Because let's be real. As good as David Green was, Curtis, who was the more talented, gifted quarterback between those two? You saw it the next year, Shockley. Yeah, I mean, I firmly believe if we don't – if DJ Shockley did not get hurt in the middle of that 2005 season, that we were going to go play in a national title game. I firmly believe that. And we, he didn't play in the fourth. We almost beat Florida without him, with Joe Tereshinsky the third. We almost beat Florida without him. But if he hasn't, if he doesn't get hurt in the middle of that year, I think we go to the national championship game. I, I firmly believe that. I think we were that good. Uh, and it is a shame that it went down like that. Um, but still, regardless, even though he only had one year as a starter, waited his turn, and I love him for that. I love the guy for that. I mean, he's a he is a, a bulldog through and through. And in that one year, he made the absolute most of it. First team All-SEC 2005, SEC Championship MVP, um, was a, a part of two SEC Championship teams. And uh, again, another player who wasn't necessarily a star in the NFL or even a starter in the NFL, but had a nice NFL career as a backup here in Atlanta. So to me, it's pretty obvious. Uh, Leonard Floyd, good player. But uh, DJ Shockley, to me, hands down, is the answer here. So he will be facing... Uh, Jarvis Jones in round two, which we will discuss next week. All right, that does it for the red region. Let's move on to the black region. Our first matchup in this region is a guy that I know well. I actually went to the same high school that I went to. Rennie Curran versus offensive lineman Ben Jones. Now, Curtis, I'm going to let you start off with this one. Who did you go with? I didn't think it was a question. I thought it was Rennie Curran 100%. 100%. Okay, so, all right, tell me why Rennie 100%, because I might disagree with you. Well, I mean, as good as Ben Jones was, Rennie, I mean, you got to think of all the things he did while he was here. Okay, yeah, Rennie was a stud, um, and, he, and he's one of those guys you love to watch. He was kind of just a, a weird body type, like like smaller, so like, I, I, not smaller, he was, he was ripped, he was a big dude, but shorter in stature, and had great speed running around, making plays all over the field. I love to watch Rennie play again. I'm a linebacker guy. And I love to watch Rennie Curran play. Uh, he was first team All SEC in 2009. Ben Jones, though, like Ben Jones was never first team All SEC, but he was second team All SEC in 2011. He also played a position in center that's not as high profile as maybe an inside linebacker. I mean, people kind of see those guys and understand what they do a little bit more than do what the, what the center does. Uh, and Rennie never really caught on the NFL. And I know the NFL, that's just a, one small part of it, but Ben Jones is still starting the NFL today. I mean, right now, as of right now, he's a seven-year starter in the NFL, st- still with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he actually got – they were taking a different draft. I think Rennie was uh, uh, 2009 or maybe 2010. Uh, ben Jones, I want to say, was, was actually 2011 or 12. Go back and look uh, exactly what year that was. But uh, I think Rennie was taking – like the 97th pick overall and Ben Jones, the 99th pick overall. So they weren't like in terms of like how NFL scouts saw them. They weren't seen all that differently in terms of like where they would project as NFL players. And Ben Jones kind of caught on and he's stuck in the NFL. So I don't know. To me, this was a pretty close one. I wanted to go with Rennie because again, I'm an old linebacker guy. I love watching the guy play, but I actually went on a limb on this one. I took Ben Jones and part of it was just the Ben Jones personality. Rennie, and by the way, Rennie is a fantastic dude. He's an incredible guy. But I just love me some Ben Jones, just his attitude, the nastiness he played was kind of a throwback offensive lineman. I will never forget uh, the game against Georgia Tech. Uh, what Was it maybe 2011? I forget exactly what year it was, uh, where they had beaten us the year before at home, and they 
and of course, as they always do, whenever they occasionally sometimes win here in Athens, they start ripping apart the hedges and take pieces of the, of the hedges and, and put those in their mouth and walk around celebrating all that kind of thing, whatever. Well, Ben Jones grabs a piece of their freaking field, rips it up, and starts eating it. Uh, and I would, and I, that that image is always stuck in my mind. I would never forget that. So I just love the way he played, and I love what he was about. So uh, I went with Ben Jones, but Kurt, don't worry, our listeners, they side with you. With 64% of the listener vote, Rennie Curran is advancing to the second round to take on the winner of our next matchup. And this is a really interesting matchup for me. I, I, this did not go the way that maybe I thought it would. And uh, that is Malcolm Mitchell, wide receiver Malcolm Mitchell versus running back Robert Edwards. Kurt, I'm going to let you start with this one. Who did you take here? Um, I, th- I went with Robert Edwards. Yeah, I'm curious. I want you to explain because this is the guy talking about before your time. This guy was totally before your time. I mean, you might have been like, I don't know, like four or five years old when he was playing. So why did you go with Robert over Malcolm? Um, I, I mean, he may have been before our time, but he's he was one of those guys that to this day you still hear about. So you hear about all the things he accomplished. And Malcolm Mitchell, I think at times was hurt by, uh, you know, the torn ACL, the position changes, yeah. and things like that, which really affected him overall. Yeah, I I will agree with that. I, he, He's another guy, kind of like Leonard Floyd, who I don't know if he ever reached his full potential here in, in Athens. I thought I thought he had the potential coming in to be an absolute superstar for us, and he was a really, really, really good player for us when he was healthy. But I don't know, ever know if he reached that status where he was a superstar. Now, his last year in 2015, he was the guy at wide receiver for us. I mean, he was he was a stud for us that year at over 800 yards receiving, over 50 catches on uh, in that year, and that was a really tough year for us with Grayson Lambert at quarterback. I mean, but he he was a stud that year. But you're right, there were some injuries before that. There was a a, a position switch, or actually back and forth between receiver and cornerback. Actually played cornerback. I remember the game at Missouri. Um, I want to say maybe his sophomore season, where he goes in there and played really well at cornerback as well. So there was always kind of this discussion: was he going to stick on defense? I know Todd Grantham always wanted him on defense, but of course. Uh, our offensive coaches, Mike Bobo and staff, won him on offense, and ultimately the decision was made to put him on offense. I think that was the right spot for him, obviously, because that's what got him drafted in the NFL. And Malcolm, um, man, he was such a he was a, just a great, great representative of our university. Talk about Jake Fromm; he gets a lot of credit for that, and he should deservedly so. But Malcolm Mitchell is kind of in my mind in the same realm in terms of like just how he represented our university. I had a chance uh, when he was still here at, at UGA to hear him speak at the classic center. And uh, I was just blown away. I was blown away by his story and just what he developed into the way he matured during his time in Athens. We all know the the whole, the, the book study, the book club with the women here in Athens. We all know that, but just his, his background, his story, how he grew up and what got him into reading in the first place. It, it just, it was absolutely fascinating to me and just an incredible man. And uh, he still, working very hard and uh, with a nonprofit trying to uh, encourage students and young people to get out there and read more and more. So just an incredible representative of our university uh, and Robert Edwards though. Uh, okay. So Edwards was, it, it is an interesting case. He was never incur like get this. He was never a thousand yard rusher at Georgia. Not one time in the season that he rushed for a thousand yards. Never. He did go for over 2000 yards in his career and uh, I guess his big claim to fame, probably his biggest game, was in the 1997 matchup against Florida and Jacksonville where he went for 124 yards and four touchdowns in that game. But for me, I personally went with Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, I, I don't think Malcolm or Robert Edwards were ever – either one or other like really superstars. And they both had promising NFL careers. So Edwards was with the Patriots, had a really good uh, rookie season. You get silent by injury, and then he never really got back from that. Malcolm Mitchell, same thing, with the Patriots also – 
uh, had a really promising rookie year that goes down with more injuries and never kind of really was able to make it back, unfortunately. So, I mean, I think you can make an argument for either guy, but I'm going to go with Malcolm. Again, maybe this is recency bias. Maybe it's just uh, me being biased in general because I heard the guy speak and was just blown away by who he was as an individual. I'm going with Malcolm. You're going with Robert Edwards. But, Curtis, the uh, listeners are siding with you with a very, very narrow victory. Robert Edwards takes 51% of the listener vote to advance to the second round where he will take on Rennie Curran. But, all right, next matchup, we've got offensive lineman Cordy Glenn versus DB Tim Wansley. Our listeners went with Cordy Glenn with 72% of the vote. Kurt, who did you go with? I also went with Cordy Glenn. Um, you know, neither of them are huge guys when you really think about it by name-wise. Like but I'm name, yeah. Cordy, yeah, rec- name recognition is not there for either of them, but if I had to pick, I'd probably go with Cordy Glenn. Yeah, I'm I'm with you as well here. Wansley was a really good player for us um, in the early 2000s. His first team All SEC in 2001, Mark Rick's first year in Athens. Second team All SEC in 2000 was never really a superstar. Um, Cordy Glenn, kind of the same thing. I mean, offensive lineman is really hard to be a superstar offensive lineman because uh, a lot of people don't really understand what's going on there, don't know what to be looking for. But he was a really good player for us. He was first team All SEC in 2011. Was a second-round draft pick and a seven-year starter in the NFL until, I think, this past year, actually. So um, I think I'm with you guys. I'm going to go Cordy Glenn as well, and he's in advance on the second round to take on the winner of our next matchup, which is offensive lineman Isaiah Wynn versus outside linebacker, or just let's just say pass rusher, uh, Justin Houston. Now, our listeners, Curtis, they went with Justin Houston with 64% of the vote. You also went with Justin Houston. Why did you pick Houston over Isaiah Wynn, a guy who was picked in the first round by the, the New England Patriots? Um, Justin Houston just made huge plays for us. I mean, the guy was a game changer, especially that one year where we were struggling. Uh, I just remember him coming up big against Georgia Tech that year when we were just trying to make a bowl game. Oh, yeah. He had a huge game in that game, absolutely. Um, and he was a really good player for us, especially in 2010. He had 18 and a half tackles for loss, 10 sacks in 2010. He was first-team All-SEC and an All-American in 2010. Now, the NFL, here's another example of a guy who was good for us, kind of like Terrell Davis, but I think Houston was actually better than Terrell Davis was in, in, in college. He was a really good college player, maybe not a, a superstar, like a household name, but he goes to the NFL and has an even better NFL career than he did here in Athens. I mean, he's, a, he's uh, in the NFL still today, four-time Pro Bowler, was an NFL sack leader in 2014, and parlayed that into a big-time contract. So I'm with you guys as well. This is a clean sweep for Justin Houston to advance the second round to take on Cordy Glenn. We'll talk more about that next week. All right, moving on to the next matchup here. We've got Thomas Davis. So at Georgia, played safety. In the NFL, played linebacker versus wide receiver Terrence Edwards. This is another one that I found very, very interesting. I went back and forth on this one, and I don't know if there's a clear-cut answer here. I could see an argument for both guys. But our listeners went with Thomas Davis with 63% of the listener vote. Curtis, you went, however, with Terrence Edwards. So why did you differ from our listeners here and go with Terrence Edwards? I mean, he's literally the only 1,000-yard receiver in the history of Georgia football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Uh, that right there is why. I mean, this is is a weird one for me because this totally goes into how do you define greatness? This is very difficult because some people might say, well, it's more, I, I care more about what you did here in college for the University of Georgia. Some people might say, well, if you're talking about a guy that's, who's a three-time pro bowler like uh, Thomas Davis, 
um, who was uh, first team All SEC and a consistent All American in 2004. Walter Payton Man of the Year, first team All Pro in 2015. Somebody might look at Thomas Davis's NFL career and say, you know what? Yeah, that guy was clearly a more talented, better player than Terrence Edwards. And I can't necessarily argue with that. I just look at it a little bit differently. I, to me, it how do you define greatness? Like it's, I don't know. It's a combination of all these things. But for me, when you talk about Terrence Edwards, you're exactly right, Curtis. He's literally the only receiver in Georgia history to ever go for over a thousand yards in a single season, but it doesn't stop there. He wrote during his time in Athens, he wrote his name all up and down our record books. He was first team all SEC in 2000 and 2002. Uh, when he graduated, now it's changed since then, but when he graduated, he was the SEC leader in career receiving yards. Now he's number three because obviously offenses have changed dramatically over the, the past decade or so. But he was number one in the SEC in career receiving yards when he graduated. He was uh, third. Right now he's third in, S- in the SEC in career receiving touchdowns, only one behind the leaders there. And now in the UGA record books, he's first in Georgia history in career receptions, career receiving yards, uh, yards receiving in a single season, and receiving touchdowns so if you're talking about production at the university of georgia i mean ed as good as thomas davis was at georgia he was really good at georgia edwards was just flat out more productive i mean his name is written all over our record books and in the sec record books so i know he didn't have the nfl career that thomas davis did but in this, in this instance i'm gonna lean with you curse i'm gonna go terrence edwards and he will be advancing to the second round to take on the winner of our next matchup this is another one that like well i thought this one well I thought Stafford would win, but I thought Bryce Hunter might make it a little bit more of a ma- of a game than he actually ended up doing here. So got Matthew Stafford versus Bryce Hunter in our next matchup. Our listeners, Curtis, they went with Stafford in the landslide. 92% of the vote went to Matthew Stafford. You also went with Stafford. I wasn't surprised by that because – talking about before your time, I think Bryce Hunter was actually playing for George before you were born. You were born I think that's before? why a lot of people didn't go with Bryce Hunter because they just didn't know who he was. Yeah, and he barely made the cutoff, uh, like the time frame cutoff for for this contest. But I threw him on here uh, because he like obviously Terrence Edwards was a little bit more prolific, but Hunter wasn't that far behind in terms of like the stats he put up while he was here uh, at Georgia playing receiver. I mean, he was he's second right now, uh, still today, second in single season uh, receiving yards in Georgia history. He's second in career receptions in Georgia history. Uh, he has the number one and number two spots in single season receptions in Georgia history. He was first team All SEC in 1993, second team All SEC in 1994. Uh, but I also, despite those numbers, I think Hunter was a really good player for us. And I was even young when Hunter. I mean, I was like 10 or 11 myself when Hunter was playing. So I don't remember him as well as some of his other guys. But I, I that was kind of when I was just coming of age, starting to start, for the first time really watch Georgia football. And he was a guy that I remember watching as a really young uh, Georgia fan. Uh, and he was just a great player. Uh, but I also went with Stafford. I'm with you and the listeners, Curtis. And to me, I know this is kind of like – I'm kind of contradicting myself uh, in some ways here because I, I think Hunter probably had the more prolific career than Matthew Stafford did at Georgia. But I don't think it was as – Hunter just wasn't as prolific as maybe like Terrence Edwards was. And Stafford was still really good in his own right as well. He obviously ends up being the number one overall pick, which had to factor into my decision here. He was never a first-team All-SEC player, but he was second-team All-SEC in 2008. Uh, he did make the 2014 Pro Bowls, had a really good, solid NFL career, a really good NFL career. Not a superstar necessarily, but a really, really good player. But uh, I'd be curious to see what happened to Matthew Stafford if he did not, if he really would have ended up anywhere but Detroit. But looking back at Stafford also, one thing that kind of caused me to hesitate with him a little bit, I mean, 
don't know if you realize this, Kurt. Matthew Stafford did not complete 60% of his passes until his third year in Athens. It wasn't until 2008 that he completed 60% of his passes. Uh, but great, again, great is a funny word. Um, ultimately, because of his NFL prowess and the number one overall pick, I went with Matthew Stafford over Bryce Hunter. I just think it's, it should be a little bit closer than 90% of the vote. I think Hunter got a little bit disrespected there. Uh, again, I know this is kind of some recency bias as well. But uh, I, it's a clean sweep for Stafford. He is moving on to the second round where he will face Terrence Edwards. All right, moving on. Our next matchup, this is an interesting one. we got uh, Orson Charles, tight end Orson Charles versus outside linebacker Lorenzo Carter. Curse, I'm actually going to start off with this one. I went with Orson Charles. I went back and forth on this one, but I went with Orson. You, however, went with Lorenzo Carter. Tell me why I'm wrong. I just – I thought Orson never really – did what I, I thought he was capable of. And the reason I was Lorenzo is I think that he was just under, you know, underutilized, not always used in the best position, but the guy still found a way for the most part to make plays. And that big block in the Rose Bowl will always stick in the back of my head. Yeah. Oh my God. That was huge. Absolutely. Look, Lorenzo's a really good player for us. But talking about how, or- I agree with you in saying that Orson never quite lived. I mean, he was really, really good for us. I mean, heck, Orson was first team all SEC in 2011 and second team all SEC in 2010. So he was a really good player for us. But I agree. He never quite lived up to what I think he was capable of. Um, but I think you can say the same thing about Lorenzo. I honestly do. I know, I know Lorenzo had a really good 2017 year. But before that, like we were talking about, like, is Lorenzo Carter ever going to become the, the player that we know he can become? Like, we were having that conversation on this show. So I think you said the same thing about both of those guys. The difference is Lorenzo Carter was a key cog in a run in the national title game, right? Uh, yeah, I, I see where, yeah, I see where you're going right there. But, yeah, I, I, but I – I, I get that. I do get that. But I, I, I kind of side with Orson here. I know this is very thin reasoning, but the fact that he was first team all SEC, something Lorenzo Carter was never able to do, uh, his 574 yards receiving in 2011, according to what I was able to find, and it was, I had to look this up in a couple different places, but I think if what I found was correct, that Orson Charles, that uh, 574 yards receiving in 2011, was the most single season receiving yards for a tight end in Georgia history. So, by virtue of those two factors, I went with Orson Charles just slightly above Lorenzo Carter, but it doesn't matter because our listeners sided with you, Curtis. They went with Lorenzo with 63% of the vote, so he will be moving on to the second round to take on the winner of our next matchup. And that next matchup, I think this is maybe the easiest pick in the entire bracket, at least in the first round. It is cornerback Chant Bailey versus offensive tackle Isaiah Wilson. No offense to Isaiah Wilson, Kurt, but like, who's the obvious winner here? Uh, Chant Bailey. I mean, hands down. There's, there's no question about it. Our listeners, uh, they verified that with their vote, with 96% of the vote going to Chant Bailey. To me, Chant Bailey is on the Mount Rushmore of Georgia Bulldogs. So enough said there. I don't waste too much time on this one because it's pretty obvious there. Champ is an NFL Hall of Famer and the obvious choice in that matchup. So he will definitely be heading on to the second round. But that's where we're going to stop things today. That's the first two regions, the red and black regions, of our 64-player greatest Georgia football player of the past 25 years bracket. We will get to the next two regions later on this week and close out the first round before moving into the second round in the Sweet 16 next week. So be looking forward to that. We will be back later this week to round out the first round covering the white and silver regions. So we have a number of really good matchups to talk about and pick. 
And uh, we really appreciate you guys sticking with us today and, uh, and listening to the show. Stay safe out there. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>